congregation, I, when I look so to the, to the congregation, I, I see many, many children, many young people. Have you ever asked yourself as congregation or as parents or as grandparents, when you look at the time in which we live, how will they come through this life? Eh? On a worldwide level, it seems the uh, time in which we live of uh, waves of calamities have flooded the world. The ongoing and seemingly unending war in the Ukraine. The ongoing and seem never stopping shootings and killings, and not only in the United States. The drought and the fires in various places around the world. On society level, I mentioned already in my prayer, particularly our young people, uh, the anxiety levels are high, fear, suffering. Uh, is it not, I don't know, Canada, but one of the first questions when you come in a health clinic today is, uh, do you sleep well? Uh, are you anxious? If you ever ask as parents, as grandparents, when you look to your children, look in the midst of the congregation, how will they come through this time? How will they come through life? And maybe on a personal level, eh? maybe having lost loved ones, maybe times uncertainty concerning the future, or you have struggles in life, Struggles that, that can be shared with those around you. Suffering in whatever form, emotional, psychologically, physical. Collectively, storms in life. How do you deal with the storms of life? How do you come through them. Uh, let me be practical this morning. What would you say? Uh, if a woman in the midst of the congregation shared with you that she was struggling in her marriage, or struggling with a wayward child, or struggling with health concern, what would you say? And what would you say if a, if a man in the midst of the congregation, this close to you, his fear of failing as a husband and father because of an addiction, porno or otherwise, of not being the husband or father he should be, would you change the subject out of fear of saying the wrong thing? The, the, the lack of caring response may increase his or her feelings of shame and guilt and isolation. Failure to respond even to, to the tentative and timid cries for help could firm, could harm those that are already suffering. And maybe it is yourself. Having the cry of the heart. Where is the Lord? When you struggle in your spiritual life. And maybe you, you may know those times by grace, times in the past that was different. But now. And the storms of life 
are raging. The waves of calamities roll over the world. How do you come through it? Friends, I think the Lord left us an account in what we read in Acts 27, particularly the verses 13 to 38, where the Apostle Paul is on his way to Rome. And in the midst of the turmoil of his time, he is caught in a storm at sea. But also this passage of scripture that I want to meditate with you this morning with the help of the Lord shows us how you can come through these storms in your life. Kijk, when you read the last couple chapters of the book of Acts, it conveys primarily the sufferings and the storms of life of the Apostle Paul, eh? Acts 21, he is arrested in the temple. Acts 23, there is a plot to kill him. He is in prison where the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for thou hast testified me in Jerusalem. So must you bear witness also in Rome. Acts 24, as a prisoner, he stands before Felix. He appeals to Caesar in chapter 25. And so in our, our ch- chapter, recounts Paul as a prisoner being shipped off to Rome. Suffering struggles, storm. At verse 14, a tempestuous wind called out of gliding, a hurricane, raging calamity, so much that all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Friends, not only Paul's sufferings represent all suffering in life, called storms, but when a storm enters your life, You can relate. All hope was then taken away. How do you deal with that? Well, in the first place, we note in this passage of Scripture is the paradox. The paradox. Verse 23 and 24. For this very night there stood before me, says Paul, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has given you all those who sail with you. God had spoken to him. As he has spoken to you. Through his word. God promised him, do not be afraid, fear not. And maybe you can point to times past that the Lord promised you through his word. God's promises are sure and the outcome is certain. It is not a propositional statement, but a living reality. And so Paul was sure, and he certainly knew from the book of Deuteronomy, that if a word of a prophet would not come to pass, that prophet was a false prophet. And so he knew God's promise, don't be afraid, fear not, was true. But then we read in verse 30 and 31 that the sailors were seeking to escape the ship. And Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. He even urged them to take some food. For he said, it will give you strength. You you see, Paul is clearly in action. He is taking responsibility and leadership. And the paradox seems here, God's promise... And the sailors seeking a way out. 
The sailors and soldiers' behavior points to take control of the situation without God's promise. And the question sometimes is asked, if God promised saving the ship, the soldiers, the sailors, why care? What does it matter what we do? But friends, on the one hand, our choices matter, have consequences, human responsibility. And on the other hand, God's plan will come to pass, is graciously determined. Nothing will happen without his will. Pragmatism says, abandon the ship, take your chances and go to the shore. But faith says by grace, stay on board a sinking ship and trust in God's promises. And let us be honest this morning, I I don't know you, but how quickly do we abandon God's sure promises? If the Lord says, maybe to you, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. He promises and assures us even through Nahum, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And then something seemingly more practical appears on the horizon and we forget God's promise and his word. But Paul keeps it together, both and. We think often, if, if God is 100%, then I 0%, or God 50%, and I do 50%. That is the way we come through this. But for the apostle it is 100% God's work, word and promise, and 100% personal responsibility. And yes, our actions, decisions, and choices in life, and maybe look back in your life this morning, our actions and choices in life have consequences. And sometimes sorrowful and grieving consequences for yourself, for those around us, affecting by your choices. But that does not mean that the Lord is limited and not in control. Look, for example, to Jacob in Genesis. Jacob made poor choices, lied to his father, fleed from home, never see his mother whom he loved anymore. And some of his poor choices were even wrong, even sin. And yet, the Messiah, Christ is born out of the lineage of Jacob. That was the Lord's plan A. There was no plan B. Christ was to come and has come. Listen, for example, to Peter preaching on Pentecost Day. This Jesus delivered up according to a definite plan and foreknowledge of God. That was God's plan. You, he says to the Jews, crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men, was their action with deadly consequences. Friends, when trouble happens, when struggles and storms and sufferings come in your life, we need to know the paradox. What I do and say matters. And what I have done have consequences. And yet to know there is a plan. Nothing is out of control. Even when you have to say, why? Why me? 
why us? We then to know by grace that the Lord knows what is going on in your life, what he is doing to correct me, to protect me, to perfect me. If you would say everything is divinely determined, destined, it made you passive. If you say I am free and in control, it should make you frightened and panic. But here, in Acts 27, it is neither. Paul is not passive, but poised with calm, takes charge, not afraid, because he was reminded of God's promise, God's very own words. And that promise that Paul should stand before Caesar is not new. Two years earlier, the Lord himself stood by Paul in prison and promised, as you have testified to the facts about me, so you must also testify in Rome. And in the midst of the storm, he did not need a new promise or a new revelation. He needed to be reminded and he remembered the promise of God that has already been given. But in the storm, the Lord stripped everything away from Paul and his companions. So that they could not put their hope in the cargo or the ship itself. Paul's only hope was God's promise. That night, Paul strengthened the crew, those around him with assurance of that promise. And so, the Lord may strip you, even now. What situation you are in. So that your only hope and reliance is in Christ, God's own promise. What a comfort to know this fresh experience in struggles, in storms, in sufferings, in doubt and temptation as we have sung, I rest Lord in thee. My hand is in thy hand, thou carest for me, my soul with thy counsel, true life, thou wilt guide. Second, what the Lord shows us in this passage in Acts 27 is not only the paradox how to deal with the storms and struggles of life, but also with the purpose. The wind carrying Paul to his mission in Rome suddenly shifted. As, the, as we have read, the ship left fair havens and the tempter's sea. It was that if God himself was blowing against Paul. And you can imagine Paul on board on the ship. Lord, I know you have called me to Rome with thy promise. Why making you this so hard? Have you ever felt this way? When, when, when a crisis enters your life, marriage lives, or divorce, or hurt in and through the church, or pain, the wrestlings in life, whatever they are, whatever you wrestle with, even now, when the winds are against you, and there is no fair haven in sight, what is the purpose? The purposes of, these, of the storm. 
Friends, I want to point out two aspects of the purpose, a general aspect and a specific aspect. General speak about good, and specifics speak about godliness. Let us look again to Jacob. Jacob with a dysfunctional family. Had twelve sons, but the favorite one is Jacob, a spoiled child. Brothers who became bitter and sold their brother into slavery in Egypt. And Joseph landed into prison, and it seems God did not hear. And yet, and yet, there in prison, he meets people who will be part of his deliverance. He even is sent to a high position to save many, many people. But what is Joseph's own assessment at the end of his life, at the end of the book of Genesis, chapter 15? But as for you, he talks to his brothers, but as for you, you taught it evil against me. But God, you hear But God meant it unto good. And Joseph does not excuse his brother's evil action just because God had ordained them for good. No, Joseph affirms the divine sovereignty and human responsibility. And there can be crises in your life. They are maybe without your doing. It was evil, it was taught evil against you. But, but, but God meant it for good. God's good purposes. And so the apostle had written to Rome, and we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. Together for good. Now maybe not always you understand that in your life, or during your lifetime. And sometimes by looking back, And certainly, from the point of heaven, from the point of eternity, good happens is accomplished despite bad things intended. And see, for example, in the life of Job, the Lord allows Satan twice to test Job, great trials and suffering. But but what did it accomplish? We have this great book of Job. The book of suffering in scripture and has helped millions of people throughout the ages. And then Job arose and torn his rope and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped and said, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all of this, losing loved ones, eh? in times of great adversity and calamity in your life, in all of this, Job did not sin and charge God with wrong. That, that is not a stoicism, a eh? kind of an indifference, self-control in regard to suffering, but it is the language of faith. As the book ends of Job, Job's own word to the Lord, I know that thou can do all things, that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. What is this that I hide thy counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. That is God's good and gracious purpose in the storms of our life. Mysterious, oh yes. Incomprehensible at times, of course. Wonderful in every way. Paul, Jacob, Joseph, Job, 
but above all Christ. And 30 days, 30 years doing good, and yet falsely accused, hanging on the cross. How can God bring out good of this? And yet through the cross and death was intended for evil, but, but salvation is accomplished. Atonement is made, resurrected to life. Good is accomplished. All suffering is overruled. All the storms are stilled in and through Christ. Why the storm? Why the suffering? Why your struggles, pain and hurt that you go through even now? Reason? By grace? For good? For Christ's sake? Though you may not see it and all of it now. But it is for your good. And the second purpose is godliness. To grow in godliness. And verse 34 and 37. For not an hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And they were all encouraged. Not an hair. Now the, the writer of the book of Acts, Luke, must certainly have taught what he wrote in the gospel in chapter 21, Christ's own words. Where Christ said, in time of commotion, in times of fearful sights, in times of storms and suffering, but there shall not a hair of your head perish. In your patience, endurance, perseverance, possess ye your souls. In times of perplexity, trying times to secure the safety of your own soul. That is, if your life is based on any other than Christ, find security in any other than Christ, you show, your soul shall will, will be in peril and perplexity, anxiety and worry. But secure in Christ. Rest in Him. Lean on Him. You possess your soul with God-given patience, endurance and perseverance. They that forsake thee will perish and die. But near to my Savior, most blessed am I. I make thee my refuge. Have you done it? Have you done it? The closer, the nearer to Christ, the more growing in godliness. To have this communion with him near to Christ, meeting him in his word and through his word, to hear the voice of my beloved, leaping upon the mountains of the storms of life, the struggles of life, skipping over the hills, the struggles in life, and he stills them. The mountains of sin. And he makes them plain. Meeting him through prayer and experience that communion. He hears my cry and supplication. Meeting him in the sacraments. This, this foretaste of heaven. Eh? To be with him where he is. To have this communion through the sharing of his broken body. For broken people. The sharing of his blood that cleanses you from all your sins.
even though sins you are struggling right now, but then to experience He for me. Seeing such a love of Christ for such one as I am, for such one as you are, such a communion with Him through His word and sacrament and prayer, all that not to transform us, to turn away from sin, of not displeasing Him, giving a close life to the Lord, to grow in godliness, that is to become lesser of yourself and in yourself decreasing, and more in Him increasing, and so bearing fruit, by their fruit you shall be known. And when the, and when the storms of life come, The author of the Hebrews reminds us this morning, the Lord disciplines us for our good, that we may share, be partakers of His holiness. And Psalm is in 119, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy words. Those times that you can say, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn thy statutes. Friends, the, the storms in life may rattle you, but refuge in Christ, you possess your soul in calmness, endurance, patience, and perseverance. He brings you through the storm and struggle, because it was Christ, over the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, where he intercedes for each of his children, even now, struggling children. Oh, let us then, let us then lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. But let us run with endurance and patience the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the altar, the perfecter, and the finisher of our faith. Friends, there is not such a thing as pointless pain, or useless struggles in the storm, or purposeless downpressing and concerns and cares in the life of God's child. But that the storms in life that they will humble us deeply. When you see your poor, even sometimes sinful decisions and the consequences that may have affected so many. And then to see, and then to see God's grace, His mercy, His forgiveness in Christ. Should it make, not us, make us more dependent on the Lord? The storms in life displays eh, God's strength through our weakness, failures and faults, sin and shortcomings. Then the storms in life allows you to minister and comfort to others. Here we see it in the apostle in verse 22. He, he exhorts, he is an encouragement. He comforts others who go through difficult times, who suffer to be an encouragement to others. So the apostle, even in the midst of the storm, he can say, be of good cheer, take heart. 
And the storms of life shows you as a congregation for Christ's sake to extend grace to those in need. To extend love to those who even do not love us. As a congregation to exercise mercy on those who need compassion. And to show what forgiveness is. And to experience as a church God's grace, love and mercy is compassion in times of challenges and struggles. But also the storms of life. They prepare us for heaven. As the apostle reminds us in 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore we do not despair. But even if our physical bodies is wearing away. Our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light suffering is producing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparisons. Oh friends, there are those times, those glimpses of heaven, when the Lord speaks to your soul, when he meets you and you meet him. And sometimes so unexpectedly, but he meets you exactly where you are. Those wonderful glimpses of what he prepares for each of his children, struggling children. What eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of men. The things, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. To be, to be lifted up for a moment above the circumstances of life. Challenging times. Circumstances of anxiety and fear and, and, and spiritual struggles, and to see him as a purpose in your life. Those times to taste and see that the Lord is good. Friends, when was it the last time? This God given good, gracious, and godly purpose. Oh, does it not show us that the storms and the struggles and the sufferings in life show the wondrous works that God has wrought. His people ever keep in mind His work with grace and mercy from revealing that the Lord is good, kind. And so far, we have seen in dealing with the storms and struggles and sufferings of life that we need to know the paradox that we need to know the purpose and our last point the presence the Lord's presence Christ's presence because let us be honest this morning the suffering the, 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 the struggles in life the storms that along the way in itself does not make you a better person even reflecting on a global health crisis, taking it to heart as God's judgment in this world, does not make you a better person. And the same sun, S-U-N, sun, melts wax and hardens clay. So why then does the apostle Paul comes through this better, what I mean? Listen how the... He speaks in the midst of the storm. For there stood by me this night an angel of the Lord, whose I am and whom I serve. I believe God that it shall be done even as it was told me. Congregation Paul is practicing the Lord's presence. And very often 
in challenging and difficult and doubting times, we, we tend to think, the Lord has forgotten me. The Lord has forsaken me. Where is God in all of this? He does not hear me. Yeah, at least it was the language of the psalmist in 13. How long will thou forget the Lord? Forever. How long will thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I counsel in my soul, having sore in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Maybe it is your cry. We can even become bitter towards God and question him. And Jacob says, all those things are against me. Jeremiah, I am a man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has led me and brought me into darkness, but not in the light. Surely he turned against me. He turned his hands against me all the day. But Paul here in chapter 27 is practicing God's presence. Listen again, eh? verse 23. Whose I am. That is, to whom I belong. In the midst of the storm. Stands on the deck of the ship. Furious winds. Raging waves. And he says, I am his. I belong to another. He loves me. Whose I am. It's the language of faith. Faith in the midst of tension and trouble and testing. To testify by grace. I belong to my faithful. Oh, so faithful, Savior Jesus Christ. Having learned by grace, this he who has paid for all my sins with his precious blood, set me free from the tyranny of the devil, and also watches over me in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the storm. The Lord stood by me proclaiming God's presence knowing his love Paul or whatever name you are, your name is this morning fear not and that in the midst of the storm oh how can you know and the gospel of Matthew chapter 12 reminds us of an, another storm where we read that Christ calls himself the greater Jonah Behold, greater than Jonah says here. Jonah runs away from the Lord. And God sent him in a storm. God's wrath. And Jonah knows that he deserved this. And he has to go overboard. Being stripped from everything. And he's consumed in the raging storm. And the, the, the sailors are safe. And he said, cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea become unto you. More than Jonah. More than Jonah is here this morning. Christ was consumed by God's wrath. A wrath that you and I deserve. That you and I deserve. So that you and I can be saved. And are saved. Christ, Christ who did not run away. But said willingly, I come to do thy will. Friends, there is a storm. There was a storm. That you and I deserve. 
because of your and my sin, falling in every way, short of the glory of God, created for a purpose, but choose pain and misery. But Christ came freely. God did not owe us anything. And he gave us everything, his son. It cost God an infinite price. No less than the blood of his beloved son. His blood that cleanses of all your sin. And Christ took that storm for such one as you and I are. He was consumed so that you can truly live and have life. Where he was abandoned at the cross. Where he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So that you, when you go and cry to him, are accepted by God. And never, never be forsaken by him. Where he suffered what you have deserved. This Savior, this substitute, he came freely. There is nothing that is required of us. Than to come to him. It costs us nothing. Nothing that we can bring. It cannot be earned friends. It has been freely prepared. It must be freely received. You cannot pay for it. Any price is insufficient. Any effort from your side. Falls short and fails. It is without money. And without price. If any man. Turns. This morning, let him come. Let him who hears come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. This is the gospel this morning. Graciously, generously and freely offered. Behold, a greater than Jonas is here, present this morning. Then it is Christ who is your only hope. And your only comfort than to come to the storms and calamities of this world. And the struggles and the, the sufferings of your life. So that by grace you can attest in Christ alone. My hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm to the fierce drought and storm. What heights of love. What depths of peace when storms and spheres are stilled. When striving cease, my comforter, my all in all. But it is also the gospel comfort of this morning that in your suffering that you may know you are not punished. That happened on Christ, to Christ on the cross for each of God's children. That happened to Christ on the cross for you. So that you may know I'm loved. I belong to another. I'm not left to myself in my struggle, whatever that may be. And maybe there is one in our midst that have to cry out in the raging winds of life. Lord, do thou not care for me? We perish. But see then. Be reminded this morning that he will arise and arises and rebukes the wind and say to the winds, peace, be still. And the wind ceases and there's a great calm and he asks you, and he asks you this week, why are you so fearful? The storm has been stilled and what you go through will be stilled. Christ is 
with you, with each of his children. What a comfort. No, especially in the storm. His presence, the Lord stood by him. Be of good cheer, Paul, or whatever name you have. The Lord Christ is there with him and for him. Now, what does that mean practically in the life of the congregation? What does that mean in the Christian life? And let me give some practical application. What it means to to have Christ's presence, to imitate Christ's presence. Sometimes you hear, I think it's good that it is asked, how how can you, as a a church community, as family, how can you respond helpfully to those who suffer? Sometimes you hear answers, which could be good in themselves. Well, we need a clear theological understanding of the human experience, or we need to provide practical and spiritual and emotional support, or even well-intentioned words of encouragement. God never gives you more that you can handle. God has a plan, which at times I think sometimes I perceive as cold and unhelpful. And, and yes, to work through things, we should not discount the importance of practical assistance and counseling or other forms of help but but what is now most needed what is now most needed that you are there for someone that you are with them a shoulder to cry an arm around them the simple but so needful to be there, to be present, just to let them know, I am with you. Remember that that, that woman who struggles in marriage? Or for that husband, for that father who thinks that he feels as a husband and father? Or maybe that single one in his or her struggles, for for one in crisis, stand by that person. And the Lord does that. Christ's own promise. I am with you. Even to the end. He is present. And the friends of Job did that. Eh? Terrible, heart-rinsing crisis and trauma. And when Job, three friends heard all of this, he came, they came to him. They came from their own place, coming together to mourn with him, to comfort him. And, and how did they do that? Eh? They lifted up their voices, they wept, they rendered mantles, sprinkled dust and of their heads toward heaven, and so they sat down with him on the ground. Eh, same level, not, not condescending, but they were there with him. Seven days, seven nights, none spoke a word unto him. No gossiping. For they saw his grief was very great. They were with him, they were there. They were simply present. But it meant so much. The Lord Christ is present, even now. Also for you as a congregation, for all that you go through, known and unknown. And for you maybe here this morning, who goes through a difficult time, and wrestle with the question, why does this happen to me, Lord? And maybe you never will get an answer. For your whole life, no answer. How do you get through? <coughs> to know the paradox, to know the purpose, but 
But above all, to know Christ's presence in your life. Christ who has been there where you are now, your circumstances, your situation. He went before. He bare the sin of many, made and still makes, even now, intercession for the transgression. He borne your grief by grace, carried your sorrow, your sufferings, struggles and storms. While we may not understand always why God allows trials to enter in your life. And yet is there not much reason still to thank him that through these trials and testing that we become to know, that we come to know more and more who he is. Ever faithful. Who will not forsake the work of his hands. Even in the midst of the storm. In a global calamity and social anxiety. Personal struggles. And you wonder how do I and how do our children and grandchildren come through this? Then it is as John Newton once wrote. With Christ in the storm. With Christ in the storm. His love in times past forbids me to think. He leave me at last in trouble to sink. By prayer let me wrestle. And he will perform with Christ in the vessel. I smile at the storm. Amen. Let us pray.